And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then, by the will of God, also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you. But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Good morning. So far, we've had an affirmation of baptism. We've had an amazing interview. We've had a video. You'll be glad to hear that I've got about 17 points in my talk as well. So it's just jam-packed this morning. It's so rich. Um, why don't you spend 60 seconds, um, if you don't mind, turning to somebody that maybe you came with or somebody near you, if you, if you didn't come with anybody, um, and uh, just ask each other the question, what does grace mean to you? Okay, 60 seconds, go for it. Amazing, thank you. It's a quick 60 seconds, goes very quickly. This morning we're going to talk about generosity. When you marry generosity with devoted reciprocity, you get salvation, redemption, and sustainable liberty. What better way to learn how to give than to look to the author of every good gift? Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Deliverer, the realist OG, the original giver. Give until it hurts, even if you doubt, because the one who loved you first emptied himself out. By grace you are set free, so be free, so free indeed. And take that grace to the world. Freely give as you have received. We're continuing our series in 2 Corinthians. We're in AD 55, south of Macedonia, and Paul is at what's called the hortatory part of his letter to the people at the church in Corinth. That means it's the part where Paul starts to explain what he wants them to do off of the back of what he's been telling them. Specifically, he wants them to give. That's what he's talking about here. He wants them to give to the early Christians who are suffering, facing hard persecution in Jerusalem, a severe trial, as it tells us. The distressed believers going through all kinds of trials due to their faith in Jesus. To talk about giving, Paul gives the people of Corinth a powerful example of generosity. 
In verse 8, Paul says that he doesn't want to command this level of generosity. It can't be commanded. You can't command this level of generosity. It has to be authentic. It has to be natural. This example he gives isn't to chastise us, but to inspire us. So this morning, let's let the earnestness of these early Christians move us and speak to us and speak to the sincerity of our own hearts towards Jesus this morning. To talk about giving, Paul talks about grace. Know the grace God has given the Macedonian churches. As Paul sets up his loving and living example of authentic generosity in verse 1, he ensures to note that the credit lies not with the people, but with God. In fact, it lies with the gift they themselves first received, grace, the grace of God. There is no greater act of generosity than the generosity shown in the grace of God himself. The word grace here comes from the Greek charis, It appears 156 times in the New Testament. It's essential to our faith in Jesus. It's the hand that rests on our hand that pushes open the door to the knocking Jesus. Grace is that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, goodwill, and loving kindness. It is the merciful loving kindness by which God turns hearts to Christ. And keeps and strengthens them, increasing faith, knowledge, and affection, and kindles them to the practice of following Jesus. In short, grace is the ultimate gift. It gives without receiving. And we have it because Jesus gave us his by giving up his life for us. God's riches at Christ's expense. So, here are quick four S's of grace. Grace offers salvation. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We are given the gift of eternal, never-ending salvation by grace. We need this because of our sin and our choices to live outside of the life-giving purposes of our lives that God has made for us. Choices that lead to nothingness and a dead-end life and death, a definite end. Grace paves a way and it cannot be earned by our own hand. No glory belongs to us. It's a gift given to us. And then Titus says, It also teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Grace doesn't just give us salvation. It teaches us how to use it. So, grace gives us salvation. Grace strengthens us, gives us strength. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 9 says, Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. No ritual, 
No self-help book, mindfulness exercise, workout routine, diet, or even religious ceremony can strengthen us like the grace of God can. Some of these things are pathways to rest or rejuvenation or health in in our bodies. They're not all bad. But never replace the strengthening of God with anything else. It won't work. We're under a new way of life, it says in Romans. Governed by grace, not the rule of anything else. Not even our own sin, our own selfish wants, our own wrongdoing. So, grace gives us salvation. Grace gives us strength. Grace is sufficient. Later in this letter, in chapter 12, it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Sufficient means enough, adequate, the perfect poor. You won't run out and you don't need more. His grace is so sufficient, in fact, in our weakness and in our failings, it's still there. His power, his grace, his ability to reach us and mend our hearts is made perfect, even at our lowest point. His grace is sufficient. And lastly, His grace makes us stewards. To steward means to be a caretaker. Our church employs caretakers here. They're amazing people. They work very, very hard. They put the chairs out. They open the building. They run around answering every question and unblocking every toilet. They ensure that this place fulfills its intended purpose, that it reaches its full potential. I actually used to be a caretaker, if you want to give me any kind of credit there as well. (laughs) 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. This grace gives us a new purpose to use whatever we have in order to be its caretaker and ensure it fulfills our purpose in our lives and the lives of others, that it reaches its full potential. It makes us stewards. So, now that we know about grace, let's have a look at how this generous gift of grace leads us to utmost generosity, using Paul's example. Verse 2 dives in and it tells us, it, well, in fact, Paul offers an unusual equation He says, for the early churches in Macedonia who faced affliction, they lived by a different sum. Okay, it was persecution plus extreme poverty and it equaled rich generosity. That doesn't make any sense. Persecution, affliction, trials plus extreme poverty. It led them literally to extreme poverty because of their persecution. But their response was rich generosity. And we find it out, we find that out because because of the grace of God which gave them overflowing joy. This gift of grace led them to rich generosity despite their circumstances. Verse 3 says they gave of their own free will. They gave until it hurt. It says as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Verse 4 says they wanted to do this. They were crazy enough that they even wanted to do this. It uses the Greek word paraklesis, which literally means they begged to get to do this. 
Verse 5 says, their priorities were straight. They gave to the Lord with that same lavish generosity first, and then they gave to others. We'll come back to that. And verse 7 outlines so much of what we've been given by our faith in Jesus, by the gift of grace in our lives. And it implores us to treat this gift as something we can also give and pass on. It says, excel in this grace of giving. You see, generosity is essential. In a time of impending war and conflict, not just in Europe, but across the globe. Let's not forget that there's conflict happening constantly across the globe. Where out there it might be Russia against Ukraine, and here at home it might be a war raging in your own heart for your attention, for your peace, by the ways of capitalism or consumerism. Be better, do better, look better. Maybe our way through the mire is generosity. Generosity is human and divine. It comes from God. It looks like God. But it's a natural response. Jackie Pullinger, who you may have heard of, an amazing Christian missionary, she saw the poverty and deprivation in the walled city in Hong Kong between the tribes. That's the walled city. Almost doesn't look real. Uh, a few years ago, I got to visit what it looks like now. It's now a huge national park. Um, but it used to be the most densely populated place on earth. It was built, it was lawless, no police could get in there. It was built by uh, whoever, whoever lived there, they just turned up, they built it themselves, they built shack upon shack upon shack, and uh, it was run by the triads, by gangs. And between triads, heroin, and lawlessness, Jackie Pullinger said this, we're going to feel stupid for eternity if we waste this life. She went right into the heart of the hurt and generously still does give her life to seeing gangs turn in their weapons, addicts give up their needles, and families find security. Generosity is human and divine. Generosity binds us. Simon Sinek explains that when we exercise generosity, it releases oxytocin in our brains. That's the chemical, the hormone responsible for bonding and deep connection. You see, when we give to others, we form relationships with others. For centuries in history, tribes visited rival tribes, offering and bearing gifts in order to exhibit a sign of peace. Their generosity formed a relationship. It ensured the peace bound them together. Simon Sinek says, don't give to get, give to inspire others to give. It's always about the other. And that's the power of generosity. It spreads like wildfire, and it changes hearts and minds and binds us together. In 1966, when speaking to South African students in his fight for civil rights and liberty, Robert Kennedy, who would actually later be assassinated, shot, gunned down because of his beliefs and what he said, he said this, Each time a man stands up for an ideal, or acts to improve the lot of others, or strikes out against injustice, he sends forth a tiny ripple of hope. And crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring, those ripples build a current which can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. 
You know, when we had our own mighty walls of oppression in our hearts, when we had toxic resistance in our very souls by the way of our selfishness and wrongdoing, Jesus emptied himself out for us, literally lay his glory aside and became the ultimate sacrificial giver. Verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. This gift of grace makes us rich. This kind of grace is free, but it's not cheap. The most expensive free gift you've ever been given. Okay, so to finish up, How are we going to put all this together? Verse 5 says, They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. How are we going to live this out? So, I want us to think about grapes, oranges, and watermelons. Okay? So, when you're going into your week this week, What are the daily little acts of generosity you're going to exhibit? What are the daily little things you're going to do to show that you're living out this place of grace and you're living generosity? What are the daily little grapes that you're going to eat? They might look like personal prayer time, memorizing Bible verses, daily devotionals for God. I'm sure it's delicious and great you listening to me eat food over a microphone. They might be showing to others, showing politeness to the bus driver, stopping to give direction to the lost tourists. They might be asking, how are you, or what can I do for you, rather than always waiting for those questions. You know, a simple cup of tea offer can go a long way in a dreary office, or in a quiet home after a long day in the office. Okay, so what are the tiny grapes every day? What about this week? What are the weekly habits of generosity you're going to exhibit, or I'm going to exhibit? What are the oranges that we're going to peel? They might look like committing to reading your way through a whole chapter of the Bible. They might look like committing to church on a Sunday and not just coming along, but serving on a team, being generous with your time. They might look like committing to turning up to connect on time with snacks in hand, committing a time in your week every week to spend with the family, or doing something that literally does nothing for you, but everything for someone else this week. So, what oranges are you going to peel? Paul, that's for you. Great catch. (laughs) I'll throw the watermelon next. (laughs) What about this month? The bigger leaps of lavish generosity that can be exhibited in our finances or our giving, not just to church or to organizations, But how about even to our friends? You know, paying for that meal that you go out for. Or paying for a stranger's coffee when we buy our own. Some of us aren't in the position to do that sort of thing. But we know from the stories that Jesus told us that sometimes people who had very little still gave everything they had, even though it was little. You can give so much when you give all that you have even if it's little. It seems crazy to get this big, but remember our friends in first century Macedonia, these guys gave until it hurt, not when it made sense. The big watermelons of the month. You ready? So, 
receive the gift of grace. And by that grace, be free. Free to live and free to give. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your free gift of grace given to us. But it was not cheap. It's given to us at the cost of your life, of the life of your son, Jesus. Father, I thank you that you lay your life down for us, wrapped yourself in flesh, poured yourself out so that we can know freedom and life and that grace today. Jesus, would we not forget the wonder and awe of that grace in our lives? Would it lead us to outrageous generosity? Would we receive overflowing joy? And would you guide us each and every day to eat those grapes, peel those oranges, and have those watermelons? Thank you, Jesus. Give us your spirit to help us. We pray these things in your mighty name. Amen.